guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. What's up? How you guys doing? You guys doing good? Very cool. What is November significant for? You guys know? Wow. Good job, babe. My wife knows. She's Your birthday... Thanksgiving is on the, or wow, November is on the calendar because of Jordan's birthday. That is exactly what I was thinking. She got it. We're preaching about Jordan's birthday. Uh, no, we are going to start our series for Thanksgiving, our November series. We're calling it Grateful. Our series is called Grateful, and I thought that this would be some pretty creative thematic art because you grate cheese. And you should be grateful for the things that God has blessed you with in the Thanksgiving season. Anybody? Malachi got it right away. Who's clapping? Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So you're going to see a lot of that from me. Um, Andrew is corny. I am cheesy. And there it is right there. It's not a cooking series. But we should be grateful. We've got a lot of blessings in our lives. God has blessed us with so many things. This month is the month to talk about it. It's November, Thanksgiving is coming up. What is your favorite Thanksgiving tradition? And somebody was asking what this box is for. If you participate with me, if you talk to me, because I desperately want to talk to you, I want to have some feedback here. If you communicate with me well, and it's not just a joke, that totally derails me because I'm easily distracted. But if you actually answer me well, then I will throw at you whatever is in this box. It's not a puppy, all right? Sorry. Sorry. So, what's your favorite Thanksgiving tradition? Somebody put your hand up in the air. Anna. Anna, no. Becca, Bex. I did this twice in a, in a row now. This is in the podcast, me getting your name wrong. Twice now. Bex, favorite Thanksgiving trans, tr- tradition. Very cool. So, on the night of Thanksgiving, you get ready for Christmas. That's awesome. Awesome. That's Jordan, which makes you help. Kendra. 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 Guys, I will get it. I promise. Eventually. Kendra, what's your favorite Thanksgiving tradition? Eating food with your family. You are thankful for the Thanksgiving feast. That is awesome. That was almost your face. I'm so sorry. Starts with an M. Just give it to me. Miranda, and you guys just shout your names at me whenever I point at you. This is how we're going to learn it. I'm going to point at you, and I'm going to say, Miranda. All right, Miranda, favorite Thanksgiving tradition? Helping cook. Helping cook. Oh, that's so nice of you. That's so nice of you. My favorite Thanksgiving tradition is telling the story of when my mom pantsed me in front of my entire family. So story goes, oh, we're done now. I I can't fill the whole night with Thanksgiving traditions. Tell me later if you're really excited about it. There will be more questions, I promise. Everybody was so excited there. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't get to you if I didn't get to you. But my favorite Thanksgiving tradition is retelling the story of the great pantsing of it was probably like 2013. I was a runner, I did cross country, I did track. My mom did not like how loose my jeans were. So I stood up to go get a drink or something the night before Thanksgiving and our family was staying over who had to travel a little bit and everybody was in the the living room except my uncle. Important detail for later in the story. So I'm getting up 
to go get like a drink or something from the kitchen. And on my way out of the kitchen, my mom jumps up and blocks my path. She grabs me by the shoulders. She turns me around and she goes, it drives me crazy how baggy this boy's pants are. Look at this. And she pulls the belt loops of my pants and my pants were literally so loose that just pulling them out was enough to detach the friction from my body and everything just fell right to the floor in front of both of my sisters, in front of my grandma, in front of my aunt, in front of my mom and my dad, in front of our dog who was evil at the time. She was a really bad dog. We have a much better dog now. And it was just horrible. And I, it's the only time in my life that I think I can remember actually raising my voice at my mom because I was just so like, I didn't know what to do. And it was horrible. And I was not thankful for the moment. Um, the next day, we go around the table and we always say what we're thankful for before we pray and eat. And we get to my uncle and it's his turn to tell us what he was thankful for. And he goes, I'm thankful that I wasn't in the room last night. Yeah, because I got pantsed in front of everybody. That's my favorite Thanksgiving tradition because now it's a classic. But we have traditions and they're really cool. And sometimes we also have things that we're not so thankful for, like getting pantsed by our moms. Or more seriously, things that really mess us up in life. Seasons that we go through that... There's just no, no, no other way to put it. We're not thankful for them, and we want them to be over as quickly as possible. We're going to talk about being grateful through this series, and today, the title of our sermon is called Thanks Fam. We'll get to that. This series is going to revolve around these verses, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Say rejoice real loud, because that's an exclamation mark. Go ahead. One, two, three. Rejoice. Very good. Cool. Some translations of that word actually mean to stand up, jump up, spin around, and yell. I'm not going to make you do that. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, this is my favorite verse, by the way. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And God and the God of peace will be with you. We're going to base our whole series around this passage right here. And I'm going to bring a lot more Bible than just that because that's only like five verses. And we need more than that. But this is what we're going to base it on, the idea of how God wants us to be grateful. Not just that God wants us to be grateful, God wants us to be thankful, but there is a specific way he wants us to go about doing it. Today I want to start with the first two verses. I'm not going to reread them to you, but they're right there if you want to look at them. And in other words, version of these, these two verses right here where he's commanding us to rejoice and he's saying that our gentleness will be evident through it. Another way to say this would be, we should always be thankful to the point of being able to praise God. Not just thankful like, yeah, I'm content and this is cool, but so thankful that we are able to, at any given moment in our day, start praising Jesus. You guys, it's really cool to see when, when we're worshiping and when we're praising and the words stop and we keep worshiping and we worship in our own voices. It's such a blessing when we hear you guys praise God in your own voice. The fact that you have the ability to do that 
means that you're almost 90% of the way done with this whole series already. Being able to praise God in any situation. And it's easy to do when we're in a worship scenario, but it's not so easy when we're going through tough seasons of life, which is what we're gonna get into a little bit today. So this concept of being so thankful every single day of your life that at any moment you can just praise God, the literal translation again, jump up, spin around, shout for joy. That kind of rejoicing, that sounds nice, right? Like, you must be a pretty happy person if you're able to do that, right? Does that sound good to any of you? But that's not very realistic, is it? Probably why not many of you said that sounds good. Does that sound natural to any of you? Does that sound like something that you would be comfortable doing in the middle of Walmart? I love Jesus, even though I can see that guy's butt crack and that lady needs to wear a whole lot more clothes, but woohoo, praise Jesus. No, that is not natural at all. There are times in life where we do not feel like rejoicing, either because of what is around us or what is going on inside of us. Wow, that really got you guys. That sent you over. Here's, Here's an example of a time where you're expected to have an attitude, similar to what this verse is expecting of us, that's really hard. Have your parents ever told you you have to apologize to a sibling, like in the middle of you fighting with them? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. That happened to me all the time. And I actually, I was was that kid who had to have the answer and was like a kind of a know-it-all, which don't be that kid. Um, I was the, I need to know why, and if I don't know why, I'm gonna fight you every step of the way. And so my parents would say that and be like, why, I'm not sorry, and I can't just make myself sorry. That's kind of the theme we're working with here. Have you guys ever felt that way when your parents tell you, apologize to your sibling, you're not leaving that couch until you do, so you just sit there and you're all mad? Because like, you're like raging to the point of almost murder with your sibling. Say you're sorry or you're not leaving. Like, that's gonna happen. Yeah, right. I was about to shove this remote as far into their eyeball as I possibly could. I'm not going to apologize to them. They had this TV on their channel for about three hours. It's my turn. I'm not sorry. But you guys get what I'm saying. Those moments in life where you cannot generate the attitude that you're expected to have, right? You know what I mean? You guys, you guys tracking with me now? Just because we know the right attitude or action doesn't always mean our emotions line up. Let's shift this perspective toward God and his expectation toward us. I have a question for you. Do any of you still say, thanks, fam? Do you guys remember that, that quippy little life of this quote that we would say, thanks, fam? Um, it do, it's dead, I understand that. This is not a relevant theme. I just like it. And it matches where I'm going with this. But would you say it sincerely? You guys, raise your hand if you have said it before, when it was a thing. Wow. Oh, boy. Okay. Some of the older kids, the, the middle schoolers are like, you're old. Like that's, like, that's like people who were born in the 90s say that. Can you believe that people who were born in the 90s are like old now? That's, that makes me crazy. Well, you guys don't believe that. But um, yeah, we're like three generations old now. Um, But when you said thanks, fam, was it sincere like you were actually giving gratitude? Anybody remember the usage of this term? (laughs) Are you looking? Did you say you're looking it up? (laughs) It was not generally a form of gratitude. Actually, if you look it up on Urban Dictionary, don't because that's a bad place to go and you can find better sources. Um, But if you look it up, you'll mostly find explanations of it can be used as an actual form of gratitude, like, thanks, fam, that's really nice. 
Or it's a sarcastic, thanks, fam. Like, I brought the chips to this party and you all ate them before I could even put my hand in the bag. Thanks, fam. Like, have you ever felt that? Or like, um, oh yeah, I brought the chips to this party. Yeah. Anybody want some, some chips? No. And then you go, thanks, fam. See what I did there? Okay, exactly. It was mostly a form of sarcasm where you're not actually grateful. You're just like, thanks, fam. That's why it's a period and not an exclamation mark or a smiley face like, thanks, fam. No, thanks, fam. Thanks. Yeah, that was cringy, right? Yeah, me trying to be happy emoji with my voice. That was gross. Um, yeah, we didn't need that. So I used to say it sarcastically, mostly food related, like I walk in and the pizza's gone, thanks fam. Or I walk in and I've been saving this Mountain Dew for the end of the week because at some point in my life when I realized I was addicted to Mountain Dew, I limited myself to one a week and then I walk in and somebody else, my brother-in-law who was my best friend until he married my sister, um, drank it and I go, thanks fam, literally because he was family at that point. Um, mostly fruit, food related for me, but when you're disappointed in the scenario around you, you say it sarcastically because they're your friend, they're your fam, they're your people, and you care about them, and you want to have a right attitude toward them, but they ticked you off. So sarcastically, thanks, fam. Do you ever get frustrated with life, look at God, and feel the need to shoot him a sarcastic thanks, fam? <laughs> what? <laughs> what did I do? Anyhow, I can't, I can't, I can't dig into whatever's happening back there. But raise your hand if, in more proper language, you're going through a season of life where you're just like, why did that just have to happen? On top of the fact that I had a horrible test that I completely forgot about and probably failed and didn't study, and I was late to practice, and coach ripped me up about it, and then I got home and I forgot to do my chores last night, so mom and dad ripped me up about that. Now I'm sick right before I have to go to youth group on a Wednesday night, and you just look up to God and you're like... Gee, thanks. This has been a real great day. Have you guys ever had times like that? Put your hand up if you know what I'm talking about, yeah? It's relatable. It's a, it's a thing that we go through. And when you go through parts of life, let's put a deeper twist on it. Somebody, you've lost a dear loved one or someone that you know and care about is very sick. These seasons of life, it almost doesn't even seem appropriate to answer the, the responsibility that, that Philippians 4 puts on us of being grateful in every situation. When we get to those moments of life and we're like, I know I'm supposed to be, but I just can't, so thanks, fam. This is me rejoicing. You know what I mean? Where the best you can do is a sarcastic thanks, God. Because while you may be able to know head knowledge that you can trust him, you're going through a period of life that just stinks. Thanks, fam. That's why our title is Thanks, Fam. But the Bible says we need to rejoice always. So this is where we're going to get into the, the real discussion here. How do we tell God we're frustrated and still rejoice? That's, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And I've got three ways. I've got three, three things we're going to look at in this process. It's a three-step process as to how you can be frustrated and go through those upsetting seasons of life where bad things are happening. Because God says bad things are going to happen to us, but his word also says we're, we should be able to live a lifestyle of rejoicing. So I tried to find a good example biblically of how to walk through this, how to talk to God when we are ticked off and yet respect and love and even be grateful for our lives at the same time. So I found Psalm 44, um, and it's, it's one of those psalms that you've heard bits and pieces of a lot 
But as I read it more focused and, and read the backstory of it, it was actually really cool what's going on here. So does anybody in the room know who the sons of Korah are? I'd be really impressed if you're not credentialed and you know this answer. I'd be really impressed if you were credentialed and knew this answer, actually, because I needed some reminding today while I was brushing up for the rest of the sermon. So nobody knows. That's okay. I was trying to give away a bag of chips, but we'll find a different reason to. The sons of Korah were a group of Levitical musicians. I almost said magicians, but that's bad. No, no. Um, Levitical musicians. Do anybody, this one's an easier one. Anybody in the room know who the Levites were? Who were the Levites? They were a tribe. They were a tribe. Very good. Very good. They were a tribe of the Israelite people. What was your name again? What? Addy. Addy. Okay. Addy. Very good. What was their job? Does anybody remember? Joy? Right, and what specifically, if the tabernacle was like a church, then what would, oops, I gave Amanda your chips and said, hey, Amanda, you want those? Because I've got plenty that I got to get rid of. Oh, she gave them back. All right. And if the tabernacle was kind of like where they, they did church and they did sacrifices and they did, they did worship, nutshell for me what the Levite's job might be. Anybody? Who said that? Do you want some chips? No. Well, too bad. I've got way too many of these things. That was a really bad throw. The further you guys get back, the worse these throws are going to be. But they were the priests. And the, the sons of Korah, they were actually named that because one of their predecessors, his name was Korah, um, not the, the really bad version of the Avatar show when they did the spinoff. That was terrible. We're not talking about that. Not that Korah. Um, the guy, his name is Korah, he was a Levite, and he was really good at music, passed it on to his descendants. So these guys, among the priests who did the different priestly duties, these guys were the worship leaders. And so a lot of the Psalms were actually written by them. That's your Bible history for the day. In that perspective, these guys are worship leaders. This Psalm is a Psalm of worship, but it doesn't necessarily reflect that in the majority of its verses. So part one of these three steps, how to be thankful when we're frustrated, part one, we need to praise. And that's what these guys start off doing. I'm just going to take snippets of this psalm because it's, it's a whole chapter of the Bible. We don't have time to go through it. But your homework, should you choose to accept it, is go home and read this psalm after we've talked about this, this idea of thankfulness in the midst of, of frustration and see what, see what God speaks to you through it. Look up Psalm 44, but we're going to take snippets. And the first part of these, these verses is about praise. When they're walking through this process of we're frustrated, but we're thankful. And I, I chose this snippet. The, the whole part of the, the chapter that is verses one through eight, they start by praising God. And so we'll go verses four and five to give you an idea of what it looked like. You are my king and my God. Wow, those lights just blinded me. Who decrees victories for Jacob. Though you, through you, we push back our enemies. Through your name, we trample our foes. So that's praise. That's real praise. Like, God, you give us victories, and you set us forward into a win, and you are good because in your name, we will succeed. That's praise. That's like praise we're used to, right? That's like, God, you are good. And that's easy for us. We, we do that in almost every single one of our worship songs. But what's not easy is praising God in the hard times, right? Which... Um, Reminds us of Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Whenever we pray, 
This is the reason that, that the sons of Korah started off this chapter with praise. Whenever we pray, what does anybody know what Matthew 6, 9 through 13 is about? It's a very famous verse. You definitely know how to quote it. I promise. Anybody know? It's got a title, the blank blank. The Lord's Prayer. All right, this is definitely not getting to you, so everybody duck. Yeah, oh my word. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer. But when Jesus, when Jesus takes us and he literally says, this is how you ought to address God. This is how you ought to speak to him. Because did you guys know that that's what the Lord's Prayer is? It's not just, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. But did you guys know that that's what the Lord's Prayer is? Anybody in the room tracking with me? It's not just a nice prayer that is for a certain situation. It's literally Jesus telling us how to pray. And he says, no matter what you're praying about, this is how he starts it. Our Father in heaven, what does he say? Hallowed be your name. I gave the, 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 the message version, your name is holy. But he starts that prayer with hallowed be your name. The first thing that Jesus tells us we have to do if we're going to talk to God is praise him, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what we're going through. And that's how they start this, this chapter of the Bible, Psalm 44. But it goes south real quick. Part number two, after we praise God, how do we show God thankfulness in the midst of frustration? Part number two is honesty. Part number two, and this is where it gets a little real. For, from verses nine to 25, that's 17 verses. They just have a little vent sesh right there on the stage with the guitars or the lyres or whatever ancient instruments they have. They just start venting about how bad life is. And I'm only gonna give you like four of the verses, but 17 verses long. That's more than half of the song that they wrote. This is how they're talking. I live in disgrace all day long and my face is covered with shame at the taunts of those who reproach and revile me because of the enemy who is bent on revenge. All this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts have, had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path, but you crushed us and you made us a haunt for jackals. Literally, they're saying that the jackals came and ate our dead bodies. You covered us over with deep darkness. 17 verses of God, our lives are terrible. Guys, you need to know something about the frustrating seasons of life and coupling it with this call to being thankful, being able to rejoice and praise God in any circumstance. God doesn't want us to just say what he wants. God sent Jesus to die on the cross so he could have a relationship with you, so that he could understand how you live and then die so that you could live with him. He wants to know who you really are and he wants to know what's going on inside your life. And so of course he wants you to be honest with him about what's going on. A real relationship doesn't say, I only wanna hear about your stuff when it's good. I don't wanna hear when you're having a bad day. That's not a relationship. That's, that's just gross is what that is. That's you, if, if you have a significant other like that, you shouldn't have a significant other because they're, they're using you in some kind of, that's just nasty. Or if you have friends like that who are like, oh, you're fun right now and you're having a good time and you're having a pizza party, so I'll hang out, but oh, you're, you're having trouble at home. I gotta go do something. I don't wanna hear about that junk. That, I don't need that negativity. Have you ever heard, lost friends because, oh, I don't need your negativity in my life? That's messed up. That means they don't actually care about you, but that's not God. God wants to hear what is going on in your life. 
even if you blame him for it, even if you're so frustrated that you can't find a reason to thank him and you're asking him, God, where were you? Because this is happening and I don't know why and it hurts a lot. God wants to hear that from you. Ephesians 4.26, though, says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So here's the, here's the transition. Here's where we really start to learn this attitude of thankfulness in the midst of frustration. It is okay to be angry. It is okay to tell God that you're angry. It is okay to ask God why but it is not okay to turn your back on God just because you're frustrated. And it is not okay to curse him or reject him because things are going wrong. God tells us straight up in his word that you will have troubles. That's our fault. That's not his. He gave us a perfect world and we rejected it. But he is there for us when we're dealing with our own brokenness and the brokenness of this world. And he will make it come out, I'm getting ahead of myself, for our betterment in the end. And all we have to do is trust him in that. That's part three. So part one, we praise God. And we say, you are good, and I acknowledge that. Part two, we're honest with God. God, this is going really wrong. 17 verses straight of, God, we hate life right now. But part three, how to be thankful when we're frustrated. We still need to trust him. This chapter is... 26 verses long, and only one verse right at the end turns it all around. We praise God for six, seven verses, 17 verses, God, things are really bad right now and we don't know what to do. And then they say, God, rise up and help us. I am on the wrong slides. Did I pass it? Hold up, here we go. Yeah, I'm way past it. This is the back button. There it is. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. And it only takes one verse. You don't have to be in the mood for a big, loud celebration. And that's why I said that sometimes rejoice is translated that way. But sometimes your rejoicing needs to be quieter. And it's just saying, you know, God, I could be real mad at you and I could walk away but I'm gonna tell you what's going on and I'm gonna keep my face up and I'm gonna keep walking and I'm gonna keep trusting. We need to, in the midst of our honesty, still be able to trust in God. That's the line between anger and sin. It's not a problem to be angry and God wants to know it. But if you get to the point where you can no longer trust him, That's when you're exiting the relationship. That's when you're in the danger zone. You can tell God anything that you need to. Just don't turn your back on him because I promise you that he has a plan and his plan is good. This is what God's word says in Romans 12 too. And I didn't put the full verse up there because it's it's kind of in a different context, but it ends in this spot and we're wrapping up here. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And sometimes when people are preaching this verse or when you're reading this verse, you just gloss over God's good, pleasing, and perfect will as pretty language about, oh yeah, we wanna be good and we wanna please God and, 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 and his will for our lives is to pursue perfection. That's not what this verse is saying. It's saying that God's will for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect for you. 
Not for him. It's not easy for God to do what he does. And he had to jump through a lot of hoops and he had to go the long way and the hard way all the way to the cross for you. That's not good, pleasing, or perfect to him. But his plans for you and how your life will come out if you trust him are good, pleasing, and perfect for you. And you may not be able to see it in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of when you're angry, in the midst of when you're tired. But if you trust him through it, you're honest with him. God, my life is horrible right now. I just lost a beloved family member and I don't understand why and they were too young and we could have had more time together and I understand that they're with you and that they believe in you, but right now it hurts and I don't get why they had to go because I still needed them here and, and they were teaching me more about you. Why would you take them away from me if they were literally leading me closer to you? I don't understand but I know that your plan is good. I know that they're with you. And so I'll continue to trust you. When you are able to be that honest with God and still trust him, this is what happens. My mom got hit by a car when we were playing on a parking lot. She could not walk or take care of us. Or I actually, that's when I found out for the first time in my life that I had curly hair because she couldn't take us for haircuts my dad could barely get us where we needed to go. And for three months, my mom, who was literally everything, because my dad was working and my mom was, was, was taking a step back from career to take care of us. And my mom was just in bed and I couldn't talk to her and I didn't know it was wrong. And I was only like eight years old. And one of the few conversations I did get to, to have with her, she said, Bubba, that was my nickname. She said, Bubba, Mom's going to be okay, and you can't, you can't fix me by worrying, and you can't make me better by worrying. You need to trust God. And that's, that's when Bubba went from a little dude who went to church and said prayers because mom and dad did, started asking questions about how do I do this God thing because this is bigger than I thought. And I started thinking about it. And that, that turned into a relationship that led into a seeking that turned into at 12 years old actually getting called into ministry. And I, I'm not glad that my mom got hit by a car, but I'm glad that God got to teach me lessons through it. And it sucked at the time. But the things God did in me and my family through it even the lady in her family who she was having a stroke and that's why she, she backed over my mom with her car, we got to minister to her family through it. And my mom was okay and now my mom is running around with kids doing children's ministry again and it's like it never happened. But we as a family had to trust God even though we were, that's one of the only times I've seen my dad truly angry. I called my mom a bad word one time and he smacked me in the back of the head and my mom got backed over by a car. He was punching dents into, and this, is, this guy's a pastor. He was punching dents into a pickup truck. That's the only other time I ever saw my dad truly out of his mind angry. We were mad, we were broken, we were upset, but we trusted God. And God did amazing things through it. You have to be honest with what's going on in your life, but then after that honesty, choose to trust God and he will grow you, and he will develop you. He will teach you, and he will change you. And your life will be better off in the end because of God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're gonna go to small group with the about 25 minutes 
left we have until 8 o'clock. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want you guys to really think about the things in your life that can sometimes get in the way of you being able to trust and praise God and realize that those times in life are times that this is the end right here. And I'm not even going to try to click through it. If you guys can find the slide for it. We've been talking a lot about verse 4, rejoice. But verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. What happens when you walk like this? Not only does God challenge you to change and grow, this is what happens. Your thankfulness in the midst of brokenness shows people that there is more to life than the broken world around them. Let your gentleness be evident to all. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are believers by your love for each other. When you're walking through these situations where if a normal person without hope and without Christ would be broken completely and their life would be ruined and you stand up and say, I know it stinks right now, but I'm okay because I serve a God who loves me and he's gonna bring me through this. That shows so much strength and faith. When this broken world faces broken situations, they just pour hate and brokenness into other people because that's what the world fills them with. But when this broken world pours brokenness and hurt into us and we regurgitate love into other people, that stops people in their tracks. And that says, what do you have? What kind of joy and hope do you have that I don't? Because I can't help myself from screaming and cursing people out on the, on the highway and in Walmart and, and I just, I get ticked off at every little thing and I'm a mean and angry person. I don't want to be this way. What do you have that I don't? You can say, I have faith that in the midst of my brokenness, my God is still going to take care of me because his will for my life is good and pleasing and perfect. So I'm going to pray. And if you need to be challenged to look at those situations in life that aren't so good and you get mad at God in those situations, Think about those, those moments before we head into small group because we're going to get to talk about them. And be prepared to challenge yourself and be challenged. God, how can I trust you and be thankful for my life and what you're doing in it in the midst of things that really tick me off? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you did the hard work, that you died on the cross so that we could live, that we could have a good life. In the midst of a broken world that spits so much garbage into us, we can still have hope and life and joy, not for just our future with you, but even now, in this broken, messed up place, we can find hope, we can find enjoyment, we can find joy, and we can be thankful for our lives, even in the midst of our broken times and our sad times and our hard times. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. I pray that you would challenge us and show us that the struggles that we're going through now may be challenges that we need to face so that we can see your glory shine, so that we can see your good, perfect, and pleasing plans for our lives. God, we thank you for who we are in you every single day, the good days and the bad. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.